0: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark with Charles W. Chuck Bryant, Uh, and Jerry's over there, so this is Stuff You Should Know, Beep Edition.
0: Are we going to beep? No. I didn't think so. We're above that. Um, I tell you what, it was a joy to read this Tracy V. Wilson article. Yeah. Tracy of uh stuff you missed in history class used to do a lot of writing and her articles are always she leaves no stone unturned. Yeah,
1: the V almost. the V stands for very good article.
0: <laughs> it really was good. Yeah. It Was a very good article. Very good. So very good. Did you uh
1: <laughs> did you notice the, her her uh images in the article on the site? No. Oh, they were all like Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Firefly, Harry Potter. I did They're notice just her like, potty was, mouth, just, though. What?
0: Later in the article? Or was that from that other thing you sent me?
1: Oh, that was from another thing.
0: Oh, <laughs> okay. Okay. No, I kind of just put it all in together, so yeah, yeah, I was I like, you. man, Tracy really went for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of F-bombs. No,
1: that was not Tracy. That was, um, well, there are a couple of other articles I sent you. One was James Harbick wrote a good one on the BBC, and another was from uh, Rebecca Roach on Aeon.
0: Was Aeon. that the swearing in other countries? Yeah. That was really good. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about this one, because I love to curse Yeah, and swear, and... You folks don't know that because we've always kept our show G-rated. I know. Which is, I'm glad we do that because yeah. we kind of stand out these days among podcasts.
1: Yeah, it's true. Plus, it's kind of like, um it just makes it, you have to get a little more creative when you have limitations like that. Yeah. I found like working within a structure makes you think more rather than just like letting it all hang out, being loosey-goosey. Yeah. Lazy.
0: Yeah, I'm very lazy than in my regular life. Well, my wife and I both have sailor mouths, potty mouths. So do I. Should we be telling people this? I don't think it's fine. Okay. Because this is a good lesson to kids that, um, you know, there are appropriate times to say certain things and inappropriate times. And when you're podcasting,
1: apparently it's inappropriate. Exactly. At least with us. But, Chuck, um, one thing you might be happy to hear, is that a lo- long-standing myth called the poverty of vocabulary hypothesis okay. is not held to be correct any longer.
0: Well, what's the myth?
1: The hypothesis was that people swore because they couldn't think of other words and that you oh, were basically that's lower not true. lower class, not true. Uh, poorly educated, nope, um, with a, a small vocabulary, Mm-mm. which is why you cursed. And up until fairly recently, I think it was a 2016 maybe 15 journal article that really put the nail in the coffin and said, nope, we tested people. The people who came up with the most swear words were also the ones who had the um, most extensive vocabulary elsewhere too. So the idea that you're just dumb if you, uh, if you swear a lot normally gone.
0: Yeah. But I mean, there depends on how you do it. Like sometimes you can tell someone can't think of a better word. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes, like I know some people that are just some of the best swearers, most most creative, intelligent swearers, and it's like a music almost. Right. I love it.
1: It is. And it is a music. It's definitely not just words, as we'll see. Swearing is its own thing. Yeah. It's kind of phenomenal, actually. There's a hypothesis that language came out of swears originally. Oh, really? That the first... Tuk-tuk? Yeah. Tuk-tuk was basically hit his thumb with a club against right. a rock, <laughs> shouted something, uh-huh. and that became the S word <laughs> as we know it today.
0: Well, Tracy, one of the first things she points out was, uh I thought, super interesting in that it's a very paradox- paradoxical thing in that they are a taboo, but it's not a taboo that people avoid. It's a, one of the few taboos like everybody, not everybody, but many, many people embrace. Right. I think like 78% of men, and we're talking – for the most of this show, about sort of Western countries, except yes, at the end.
1: But as far as we know, and we being like humanity, uh, swearing is universal.
0: Here we go. 72% of men and 58% of women swear in public. It's not even in, in their private life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah? And yeah. And apparently that's a longstanding understanding of swearing is that men do it more than women. And back in the 70s, there was a Berkeley linguistics researcher named Rebecca Lakoff, And um, she noticed that women tended more to use what are called minced oaths, which is saying like fiddlesticks instead of the F word, basically talking like Ned Flanders <laughs> yeah. in places where men would have cursed otherwise. Okay. Um, and she surmised that it was because women are taught from a young age To be polite and deferential, sure. um, Whereas men are allowed to curse and kind of let it all hang out. But that this put women in an awkward situation, or damned if they do, damned if they don't uh, situation. And that if they are polite and deferential, they're treated like a fractional person, right? Um, But if they transgress and and curse, they they've broken taboos. Yeah, and like in Western society, it's way worse for a woman. To curse than a man, at least in public, or maybe even private, yeah. which is a double standard that we need to do away with. Agreed. Because it's much like the First Amendment episode where I got all riled up against obscenity. Yeah. The idea that some words can't be said because it's taboo just—I know—irks me to no end as well.
0: I don't think it's a big deal, but I do respect I- that others do, and I really do try to curb my how loud I curse in public. Purbli- public? Yeah. In public?
1: No, it's public now.
0: Um, I really do. I try to like, and this isn't just since I've had kids. I've always just sort of tried to be aware. Maybe it was my Baptist upbringing, mm-hmm. but um, as bad of a mouth as I have, I've always tried to just sort of be aware of my surroundings because I never wanted to be that guy, sure, that was making someone else feel bad or whose parents had to like shuffle their kids away from me, yeah. because of the language I was using. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, I've had a hard time with Emily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's just. She doesn't she's, mince her oaths. No, she's louder and doesn't just, uh, she's just not a, she's in the moment, you know, she's yeah. very free spirited. Sure. And I'm always like, Oh, you know, there's kids right over there. Can you keep it down? Yeah. She's like, Oh, F it. <laughs> <laughs> F that kid. <laughs> not F that kid. Just F it. Gotcha. Um, but Tracy just has a lot of little tidbits here at the beginning. I think we should mention because they're just interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is that people. And I found this to be true when I worked in uh, at a Mexican restaurant. We all learned the curse words first. Yeah. And when you learn a new language, it's one of the first things you learn if you learn through immersion rather than in a classroom mm-hmm. are colloquial, uh, colloquialisms and c- curse words. Right. Although she says curse words and swear words are different.
1: Yeah. So we should – you want to say what the sure. difference is? So uh, um, most people use them interchangeably, but a curse word is where you're basically hexing something. Yeah. You're You're – Calling for someone to be, well, damned. Yeah, or anything. Good good idea.
0: Like, F this window that I can't get open. Sure. That's a curse on that window.
1: Exactly, you're right. Um, whereas swearing is kind of different. It's like by Odin's Raiden, where you're invoking (laughs) the name of like a deity or something religious or whatever. Yeah. And you're doing that to like give weight to your, your words. You're, or I swear to God, right? As a swear, and and technically, if you are a um, if you're a pious type, s- swearing to God, yeah, is going to be as bad as saying f that window, yeah, if not worse,
0: actually. Or the, the worst is, you know, if you say "gd." Right. I remember growing up and uh, as a church kid, that was that was the worst of all swear words. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. Taking the, the Lord's name in vain.
1: Yeah. And that can be, in most, uh, basically all words, we'll use swear and curse interchangeably like any normal human being. Right. But, um, most, most swear words, or all swear words, I believe, can be broken down into two categories. And one of them is deistic. Yeah. Where it involves a, uh, like a higher authority, God, a r- religion, uh-huh. something about that, right? Yeah. And, um, the other is visceral. And that is basically everything else. It involves body parts, body functions. It's funny. They really do break down into those. Yeah. Basically everything does. Related to the body or related to God.
0: Pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, it is. And and again, that seems to be universal. But what. One culture emphasizes another culture might not. And even within the same culture over a period of time, yeah. uh words can change. Emphasis on words can change. Like, for example, in the 19th century, uh, you did not say bull, as in look at that bull over there. B-U-L-L? Yes, because it was associated with sexual virility. Uh-huh. So you would say, <laughs> look at that brute cow over there. Right. Or look at that c dox anything but bull. Uh-huh. Because it was a, a bad word at the time. And then now it's like someone would look at you like what what the hell's a C-dox?
0: Is that why BS is, has bull in front of it?
1: I wonder if it's like a particularly virulent Probably. type of of fallacy or lie,
0: cuz I don't see why else it would.
1: That's what I thought too.
0: Uh Tracy also says that um No one really knows because cursing came before writing what the first swear words were. Right. Um, but researchers agree, and this I thought was super interesting, is that, um, they called it word magic. Early forms of word magic are where they came from, which, um, basically means, especially in cultures that didn't have writing, they believed that words had a lot of power. Right. And you could curse something, like we said, like words could be really good or words could be really bad, and that swearing kind of evolved out of that. Right. Which is just awesome. I love it.
1: It is. Um, and th- there is a, a good example of this. Apparently, our word for bear here in English uh-huh. is uh, rooted from the Germanic word for brown. Yes. And it was based on the pagan Germanic taboo against saying the name of a wild animal because it might make that wild animal appear. Right. Because of word magic. Yep. So that's why we say bear today.
0: So interesting.
1: Because something like Ursa would have been, it would have made the bear appear and killed everybody and it would have been your fault because you didn't say <laughs> brown. You said Ursa.
0: Did you ever hear the the for unlawful carnal knowledge acronym? Uh-huh. That's completely not true. Right. Um, that the The F word is old, very old, recorded in English since the 15th century. And they found some roots of it back in Middle Dutch. F-O-K-K-E-N was to thrust or copulate. Uh, Norwegian, F-U-K-K-A was copulate. And in Swedish, F-O-U-K meant penis. Uh, and apparently, even though it was around, it wasn't really used in common speech that much. It was like a word. In English? Yeah, but yeah. it wasn't really used as a curse word until much later on.
1: Yeah, like the... I think the 16th century is when it first appears in in writing, and even then it seemed kind of casual. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> just a casual right F. <laughs> I've got another one. You ready? Sure. Zounds! You know that word? Uh, zounds. Yeah, I think like Shaggy used to say it a lot. He said zoinks. Yeah, somebody said <laughs> zounds. All right, mean, Encyclopedia <laughs> Brown. I don't know. So zounds, zounds, you know, like that. Yeah. Is um it's related to God's wounds? So you're saying God's wounds? Oh, uh, really? Yeah, invoking a deity. So huh. that would be a deistic curse.
0: Wow, this man! Is I can't fun, wait huh? till the end when we uh go around the world. Some of those are really funny. Yeah. Um, should we take a break? Yeah. All right, we'll take a break and uh, talk a little bit about why people swear. Alright, so this makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of there's a line of thought that says that swearing eventually ha- comes to take the place of crying.
1: Yeah. I thought this was, there's a lot of anecdotal
0: yeah, evidence. It makes perfect sense.
1: Makes total, complete sense.
0: Yeah. Cause when you're a kid, you cry about things. And then when you grow up and in- here in the West, you're for some reason taught not to cry anymore, especially little boys, which is total BS.
1: It says Rosie Greer.
0: Yeah. I cry all the time. Uh, and so it, that swearing becomes a, a, a what they call an instinctive response for if you're upset or if you're afraid or if something uh, bad happens, if you're frustrated, and that just kind of takes the place of crying. Yeah, which, again, both.
1: makes a tremendous <laughs> – Do you swear while you're crying? Because that'd be hilarious. <laughs> no.
0: F it. No, I don't do the ugly cry.
1: We should probably get a judgment call from our legendary producer, Jerry. About – Is it okay for us to say F it in place of actual bad words here? Jerry says, yes, we need a ding, ding, ding. (laughs) So, um, that makes total sense to me that you learn to swear. And one of the reasons why it makes total sense to me is that swearing is a way of letting off a pressure valve suddenly and quickly, almost involuntarily. Yeah. Right. Um, And if you can do it out of anger, you can do it out of frustration, you can do it out of shock, surprise, pain. Uh Um, and yeah, in, in, at least in the context of our society, it would be weird if you cried in all those situations (laughs) as an adult when you can get it over with just by saying, shouting the S word or the F word or something like that, you know? Um, and actually there's a linguist named Joffrey Nunberg. I probably screwed up his name, but he had this great description of swear words. He said, swear words don't describe your feelings, they manifest them. Yeah. Which is absolutely true. I've seen it put as like a quick verbal hand grenade. Yeah. Um, it really drives a, home. It encapsulates a feeling in, in, in like a really potent condensed form. Yeah. It's true. So, bam.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Another really cool, um, thing that, that Tracy wrote about was that, um, they, they do a lot to, they can establish a group identity. They can make you feel like a part of a group. Um, they can express like intimacy or trust with someone. They aren't just regular words beyond shock value and humor, which are all valid. Right. Uh, but beyond camouflaging your fears, which is valid. They really can, like, I remember, I remember in our one of our first editorial meetings at How Stuff Works years ago mm-hmm. when our former boss who gave us the who, the charge to do stuff you should know dropped f-bombs in the meeting and I, and this was the first kind of like my stupid uh chicken killer software job that uh-huh. I had right. I was like a frat house so that didn't count right like the language in there was terrible but this was my first like real job where Corporate I thought job. Yeah, where I thought like, all right, I'm in my first like meeting and he starts dropping F-bombs and I immediately felt a kinship. And I was like, all right, this guy is doing something. He's laying this out to the room Mm. and that means something, you know, Right. it wasn't a a casual thing. If you drop an F-bomb in a meeting like that, you're, you're telling people something. Yeah. Like it's okay to use that language here or this is what kind of person I am. Right. It really gives off a lot of social cues. Yeah. You know? Sure does. I've always loved him for it. It really does. It's also,
1: um, it, it also kind of presents the the person of higher authority on on yeah. your level,
0: you know? Or and, it can turn people off, though. I did think about that. Like, sure. man, I wonder if there's people in here that are offended by this.
1: Well, it is. There's a real, um, I mean, b- foul language can be offensive. And, The This really great article by Rebecca Roach on Aeon basically posits that it's offensive because when you are using foul language in front of somebody, you know that there's a chance that it's going to offend them, and you're doing it anyway. Uh So basically purposefully creating an atmosphere where someone probably will be offended... Or could be. ...is the whole reason why bad language is offensive.
0: Yeah, it's like it's agreed upon... Between the two parties, right? Like there are certain words that if I use in this conversation, you might get offended, or you might feel more included,
1: right? And because I know that you might get offended, and I'm doing it anyway, yeah. I'm saying to heck with your offense, which again creates the offensiveness in the first place. It's so a big, it's a uraburos.
0: Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Look at you.
1: It's a dirty word.
0: <laughs> um, well, I guess we should talk about social response a little bit because. That's kind of where we were headed. But mm-hmm. um, it, it didn't, like, th- obscenities and dirty words weren't even really looked at that way until after the 1800s.
1: No, there were taboo words for sure. Yeah. But they weren't considered dirty. It was just taboo. Like, don't invoke Odin's raven.
0: Right. But, like, the word profanity didn't come around till the 19th century, which is really interesting. Yeah. You know?
1: And originally, profanity and blasphemy... Meant the same thing. Right. They both had to do with basically insulting the sacred. Um, and then over time they started to diverge. Blasphemy for me still means the same thing. Whereas profanity now is a general catch all for, for what we would call swear words or curse words or, uh, dirty
0: words. Right. Even though there's a, in all cultures, there's a definite hierarchy. Yeah. Of, you know, if your kid says D A M N, Not the biggest deal.
1: No, just maybe to bed without dinner for a few nights in a row.
0: (laughs) But if your kid is dropping F bombs, you know, it it ranks. Or worse, you know. Sure. Some people think the F bomb is the worst thing you can do. They're They're, far worse. They're wrong. Yes.
1: (laughs) That's just plain wrong. I'm sorry. (laughs) At least in this day and age.
0: Yes, that is true.
1: Um, That hierarchy you talk about seems to fall into a couple of categories. Even though having a hierarchy is universal, what is at the top of the hierarchy is not. Right. Um, one of the things that frequently is found at the top of the hierarchy around the world is um, m- moms, your mother. Yeah. There are plenty of very different cultures around the world um, where insulting your mother, particularly either a sexual act with your mother or um, – Bringing up your a person's mother's genitalia uh-huh. um, is the is the worst. It's the worst of the worst.
0: Oh yeah, I remember. Like I said in in college when I worked at that Mexican place, we learned all the curse words first. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guys in the kitchen, I was like, man, you guys talk about each other's mom more than anything I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, it was remarkable. Right, and that must be. And I guess in. Um, I guess is Spain listed or uh, Spanish languages?
1: Well, it's a it's latin languages, okay. latin based languages, so Spanish would definitely fall under that category. Yeah. But also um I believe Mandarin, um Arabic, some arabic languages, just languages around like like really disparate cultures have said like leave the moms out of this.
0: Well, it was also funny too cuz she followed up with um sometimes in Bosnia it's uh your father it yeah. can be a really big insult, or grandfather, mm-hmm. Um, and Albanian, your family, uh, Turkish, your extended family, mm. and finally Mandarin, which is your ancestors to the 18th generation.
1: <laughs> there it is, man. That is the best swear on the planet. <laughs> F your ancestors to the 18th generation.
0: I wish I knew how to pronounce this.
1: It's just, that's as good as it gets.
0: Kao ni tsuzong shibadai.
1: Oh, you know, we, this is available in China. No, yeah,
0: good. I'm going to learn how to say that. Like for real.
1: Like little kids in China listen to this. That whole class just went,
0: <gasps> I need to learn how to say very sorry then. In Ga- gasping
1: <laughs> is universal too.
0: Uh, but speaking of swearing at work, um, supposedly swearing at work makes up 3% of the conversation. Is that it? That's what it said. That sounds low to me. I saw a
1: 2016 study that found that women curse more than men at work. More women admit to cursing at work than men.
0: Oh, well, that's different. But
1: frequency-wise, men curse more. So if the average man who curses at work is placed beside the average woman who curses at work, the man's going to curse more frequently. But if you fill the room with the women who curse at work and the men who curse at work, there'd be more women. Is <laughs> that for explaining? They're really confused. Well, uh and then apparently uh, among millennials, 66% of millennials say they curse at work. And Never then them. 54% of baby boomers curse
0: at work. 54?
1: Yeah. Which if you put that together comes out to be 120%, so that makes like zero sense. What if you, uh,
0: <laughs> you fooled me? I did. Um, if you're talking about the law, depending on where you are, there may be some arcane laws on the books that prevent you from cursing in public. Um, yeah, but it's definitely, you know, we did one on free speech recently. It definitely does not qualify as protected speech. It depends. What can. Yeah. All right. So like, if you're just walking down the street and you say,
1: F you pig to a cop, (laughs) you're going to get arrested, but there's a pretty good chance that you're. Case is going to get ultimately thrown out. Okay. If you, um, if you are in Pennsylvania, you are going to, well, depending on the town, and you curse in public.
0: You say F the Steelers. Oh, man. You,
1: <laughs> you may, you, you, you should count your lucky stars if you make it safely to
0: jail. Unless you're in Philadelphia.
1: Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, apparently in Pennsylvania, they were arresting people left and right for, um, well, citing them, giving them citations for cursing in public. And, um, it finally got to the point where the ACLU got involved and said, what are you doing? You can't do this. This is protected speech. This is curse in public. Right. And it's a, it's a gray area, actually. Like states, there are states, like you said, that have some laws on the books. And apparently one of them is Pennsylvania and they were enforcing it. And I don't know if they still are, are or not, but pretty recently they were, um, they were giving people citations for it. Huh. And in Michigan, they had a law overturned as recently as 2002 where it was illegal to, to cuss in front of women and children. And some guy w- was canoeing down the Rifle River. His canoe was overturned. He was in the water. Cursing up the storm. Yeah, and there were women, children, elderly there. Uh-huh. He he was arrested and um, taken to jail, and the the Michigan Court of Appeals said, "No, this like, is a
0: hundred year old law." Well, and the guy overturned his canoe. Like, give him a break.
1: Right, exactly. Give the guy a break, and he um, he got off. His case was thrown out, and they said, "We're this law's null and void." By the way. So there is speech protection, and it is taken to to extend to the state level. But again, it's a gray area because if you did that on TV, you could certainly be fined, and that would be upheld because we've long agreed that there are certain situations where you shouldn't curse because kids might hear it. But what's the difference of doing it on TV and doing it in front of a kid? Only the courts can say.
0: Well, yeah, and that's an FCC thing, and there are certain words like you know, George Carlin's famous – Words you can't say on television. Yeah. Bit. Um. But those are rules, more than laws, aren't they? Or I guess yeah, I guess FCC, they are rules. Yeah, you're right. Rules and regulations.
1: Yeah, but but they are upheld.
0: Yeah, but like private organizations and like if you're in a store, or a movie theater, or mm. at work, like they can they can prevent you from doing that stuff. Yeah. They can you can be asked to leave. Yeah. Um. You can be asked off a plane. You know stuff like Hopefully that. Hopefully,
1: while it's on the ground.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're
1: if you're a company, you can. Yeah. It's like in the mall episode. I think we talked about where First Amendment protection doesn't extend to private areas. Yeah.
0: You can have a policy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it can be like some people can consider that a hostile work environment. Yeah. If you have you know a real potty mouth boss. Yeah. That makes everybody feel uncomfortable. Right. Because cursing can go. You know, it's one thing to say you know BS or. F this, but if you, like, get really creative with your curse words.
1: Well, plus there's a difference between F this and F you, yeah. especially coming from a boss. Sure. So, yeah, you can Such very a easily word. switch. It
0: really is. <laughs> it's the best. Um, all right, should we take a break and talk about the brain? Yes
1: so we're back ready to talk about the brain got the top of my skull removed and Chuck has his finger in the ventral dorsal interior postulate if I'm not mistaken
0: I thought this is where it got really interesting.
1: Yeah, because it supports all that anecdotal evidence.
0: All of it. Yeah. All right. So the parts of the brain, um, the cerebral cortex, I guess we should go through all this, huh? I was going to break it down to the big line at the end, but we'll go through it all.
1: Yeah. You got to build it up. We're showmen, if anything.
0: The the cerebral cortex has premotor and motor areas. Uh, they control the speech and writing. It's kind of like the higher function. And then we talked before about uh, Wernicke's area. Mm-hmm. Um, geez, we talked about that a bunch, I feel like.
1: Well, it's pretty interesting.
0: It is. Uh, and they recognize and process words, spoken words. And then you have your prefrontal cortex, which like helps regulate your, what's your social behaviors and stuff.
1: It's a higher, higher function.
0: So all these things, I was about to say are working together, but they're kind of not when it comes to cursing.
1: Right. When it comes to language, they're all working together. But like we said before, swears are
0: something different. They're separate. Yes. And they, Scientifically, in fact, they are.
1: Yeah. So they they involve different parts of the brain than language processing. Um, the limbic system which is part of your reward system or the basis of your reward system, but also has to do with housing memory. Um, it has to do with regulating emotion, basic behaviors. Um, and apparently they think that in primates and some animals, vocalization is based in the limbic system, just like, like that thing that Tim Allen does. That would be limbic system-based. I don't know what that, that is. That weird, like, oinking... Bark, he does.
0: I've literally never seen anything Tim Allen. Oh, I'm
1: doing. not about to do it, so you're going to have okay. to go look it up on YouTube. All right. Uh, and then the basal ganglia, which is motor con- motor function.
0: Yeah, and impulse control.
1: Those two things, which have basically nothing to do with language processing, higher processing in humans, are what govern swear words.
0: Yeah, like Tracy says that there, the scientists think that it all takes place in those lower regions. It's all emotion and instinct, and that the brain doesn't even process a swear word like a word, right. like as uh, what are they called, phonemes. Phonemes, yeah. Phonemes, like the the parts that make up the word. Mm-hmm. The curse word is just the word as a whole, right? As far as the brain is concerned,
1: like when you hear the word articulation, there's the part of your brain in the left hemisphere, yeah, a region is going to work taking articulation, uh-huh. the emphasis you put on it putting it together, running it against your memory banks or context or whatever, and saying, oh, I know what you just said. But if somebody shouts the S word, th- those parts of your brain are not springing into action. Right. It's the parts of your brain that are involved in experiencing and, and recognizing emotions, the very, very ancient parts of your brain that are involved in it, which gives credence to that hypothesis that language – evolved out of expletives.
0: Well, and also in that one article you sent, the theory that it's not even a theory, just kind of the thought that a curse word isn't even a word so much as it is like a yell. Yes. I mean, it could might as well just be, ah. Yeah. It's just you've got four letters.
1: And if you think about it, it makes uttering complete sense. Like even the, the worst of the worst, you know, where you're involving somebody's mom in the worst possible <laughs> way. You're, when somebody says that, even when they're, especially I should say, when they're saying it to insult you specifically. Your brain doesn't dial up that image. It doesn't have to. No. It you're not thinking about the actual meaning of the word. You're responding to the emotional punch in the gut you just took from that
0: word. Like you know what that word means. Yeah. And it doesn't even on mean a, the thing they mean.
1: On a uh, on a very emotional level. Like yeah. you, you have it stored away in that sense.
0: Yeah, because it's amazing. most times curse words almost always, they aren't to be taken literally. Right. Like when, uh, in the one, who was the guy who wrote that one uh, bit that you sent?
1: What, from the BBC?
0: Yeah. James Harbeck? Yeah, like talking about the F word. There are like 10 different ways you can use it.
1: Well, that was Stephen Pinker he was referring to.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. And none of them are, are you should take literally, and no one does take them literally. Right, exactly. You just know what it means if you say F it or F this or F you. Yeah. You're not literally saying engage in sex with this thing. Right. You know?
1: Yeah, and you'd think the person was a weirdo who just topped you <laughs> if they did at your command.
0: Well, which is another reason why we let people that are just learning to speak English off the hook Mm -hmm. when they say curse words because they don't understand the difference between the literal meaning and the expression. Right. So no offense is intended. Right. Right. So that social contract is not there yet.
1: Exactly. It's just hilarious when they do it accidentally.
0: (laughs) It really is.
1: Yeah. Was it, what was it? Stripes?
0: Toward the beginning when uh, oh, they were yeah, learning yeah. to speak English and Yeah, Harold <laughs> Ramos is teaching them. Yeah. Very good stuff. Uh and so they've done fMRI studies too that show that <laughs> FMRI. Um, <laughs> functional magnetic resonance imaging test. Uh to show that higher and lower parts of the brain can struggle with each other when they swear. And apparently the people who really pride themselves on being super educated and very literate people. Uh, they respond to slang and illiterate, quote, illiterate phrases, the same as they do swear words. And this one is weird to me. Um, They've done studies where you identify the color a word is written in, not the word, but the color, uh-huh. and the swear word distracts them from the color of that word. Right. That's just crazy. Yeah. They literally exist in their own space.
1: Yeah, they are their own thing for sure. You know? Yeah.
0: And you remember them. Uh, supposedly, you remember swear words four times better than other words.
1: Yeah, it's nuts. But what makes it, I, I think, what's super interesting to me is that there's they're universal and there's distinctions, but they're also you know you can divide most things and most swear words into just a couple of different categories right. across the board. You know, yeah. But they're they're not given thought, but they're based on things that you learn. Yeah. So, for example, Chuck. Let's start to go around the world, shall we? All right. Are we there yet? Sure. So in uh French Quebec, it's a extraordinarily Catholic um society. And basically all of their swear words have to do with the Catholic Mass, like the chalice, the tabernacle, the host, um the the, the these literally these words, like you say tabernacle, and it's that's bad man that's a really bad bad word okay and it has to do with the idea that you're bringing the sacred into um you're basically blaspheming and it's a it's a big time taboo yeah but the idea that that's a learned like you have to like you don't look at a a, a tabernacle in a church as a kid without being you know the first time you were walking to a church and say that's the holiest thing there is. I understand everything there is to know about it so yeah. much so that I can break a taboo by saying that word. You have to learn that. But the idea that, that when you do learn it, it's stored as an emotion in your brain. Yeah. As a motor function rather than as a word that your higher cognition refers to yeah. or brings forth. It's just astounding to me. It is. It's like a parallel process to learning language. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Um, there are languages where, uh, like it's different in a lot of countries, but it's also the same. Like when you talk about like feces, uh, there are many different languages that use the word feces, Mm -hmm. their whatever word for it as a swear word, right? Um, including English, of course, um, French, uh, German. Um, they all have Albanian. They all have words four feces that are curse words, but then that's not arbitrary. I guess it just depends on how it, you know, came to be in that country. But in Sweden, which is, you know, in that neighborhood, mm-hmm. uh, you can say skit when you're annoyed, but it doesn't count as a curse word. Right. Like you could, they said you could say it around your grandmother. I'll All right. skit. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: so it's a curse word, but the, the importance, the emphasis that of a taboo that it breaks Depends on the culture.
0: Yeah, or like in other, uh, like in Polish, they'll use cholera. <laughs> and other countries, use types of disease. Yeah, like canker in in the Dutch. Yeah, isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah, the canker meaning cancer. Uh huh. So you you are basically wishing cancer on somebody, which is pretty awful.
0: Yeah, that would be a curse.
1: That's not done here, but if you did do it in in you know normal discussion or oh, even yeah. an argument here in the West. It, it, there'd be like a record scratch. <laughs> a needle scratching off a record would be like, What did you just say? That was the worst thing that's been said to me in months.
0: Yeah. But, but they just have a word for it. Right. Yeah, I never really thought about that. That would be a terrible thing to say. It really would. If you said that just in a sentence to someone in English. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you were like jabbing your finger
1: in their chest while you were saying it, you know? <laughs>
0: that's right.
1: I know we have a lot of listeners in Sweden. Uh, Swedish um, people apparently. Uh, same with fin- Finland and, uh, Norway and Denmark, they put a lot of emphasis on the devil. Oh yeah. So like some of their worst swear words are, um, based on Satan, hell, um, the devil, that kind of thing. Yeah. So you don't want to, you don't want to bring that up or else you might offend your hosts in Sweden.
0: Uh, prostitution. Apparently a lot of cultures, uh, and this this theory makes sense. Prostitutes defy a wife's exclusivity and a man's ownership, which is why a lot of words people will use for prostitute can be a swear word, right, against somebody. Yeah, and apparently
1: cultures that where uh, bringing someone's mother into it is is the is a, the top of the hierarchy will also have um, words for prostitutes. Like uh, plenty of words for prostitutes and those will be extremely bad words as well. Right. So it's like those things kind of go hand in hand. Huh. Yeah. Which from what I've seen has to do with the patriarchy creating the moral hi- hierarchy. Right. Yeah. Cause it's such a male view of things. Like, oh, I- you're my mom. So you're the most sacred thing around and you're a prostitute, which means I can't control you. So invoking those things are the two worst <laughs> things you can talk about. Yeah. And then our last stop to me, Chuck, in Japan. Yes. Baka, baka, means basically idiot, but it you don't call people that. It's a really bad word, which I think is so sweet. I love that country. Idiot.
0: (gasps) That's bad. Yeah. Think about how how often we call people idiots here in the U.S. Yeah, but that's bad though. I remember my mom saying like, don't don't say that word. Oh, she was right. Yeah. Still, she's not even Japanese. No, <laughs> she's from Tennessee. It's got a little Japanese in it. <laughs> Maybe so. Japanese streak. Um, so I guess we, we'll finish up here with a little bit on um what can happen when your brain is damaged, and we've talked about a little bit of this stuff before. But there's some pretty interesting things uh, in terms of brain injury. Um, something called aphasia. Uh, is is a condition where you can lose the ability to speak or pronounce words because mm-hmm. of disease or brain damage. But, um, a phase uh, aphasics have an interesting thing. They can return to their ability of automatic speech, which is just like saying things like um and uh. Right. Uh, but the other thing that comes back are swear words. Yeah. Which ties all back into the thing is they exist as their own in their own category, almost oh. like non-speech. Exactly. Uh, so that's one of the first things that can come back. Um. Or never go away. Yeah. Or never go away, and. When they, um, their ability to pronounce words can evolve while they're recovering, but the swear words stay the same.
1: Right. Like, apparently, you can have a hemispherectomy on the left of the left lobe where a substantial part of the left lobe goes away and you can't talk any longer, but you can say the S word just fine. Right. That must be startling. I'm sure. You know? Yeah. Uh,
0: and we did, we did a, Great episode on Tourette syndrome quite a while back. And we talked about, uh, coprolalia. And that is, um, I think a lot of people have this image of someone with Tourette, you know, just constantly screaming swear words. And that's actually a very small number. And it's, that's actually called coprolalia, not Tourette. Right. And it, um, a very small number of people with GTS exhibit coprolalia. Right.
1: Very, very, very small.
0: Yeah. And it's, I think it even, I think you even grow out of it in most cases, too, right?
1: Uh, apparently, younger males are the ones who are more likely to have that as a tic with Tourette syndrome. But it also makes sense in that um, swearing can be viewed as a motor function w- with emotion attached, right? Yeah. And w- a tic is a is has to do with the motor function, whether it's your head twitching or shouting the S word a few times. Yeah. It's still a tic.
0: Um, my last thing here is I think, uh, Pinker, I think it was really interesting and in that he noted that swear words were often, most often just very, uh, just the sound itself, you know, being real, just harsh. Right. And that, that contributes a lot to their function. Uh, like when you get hurt or when you're just trying to exclaim something loudly, uh-huh. like the F word it's that's that very sharp K at the end. Right. Um, and if you expressed anger using gentler sounds, like (laughs) he says, whiffy and slush, (laughs) it's just, he compares it. What do you say? It's like slamming a door fitted with a compressed air hinge. It's just not the same thing. Right. There's something about those sharp, quick words, ends in K's and T's, you know, that are staccato that just sort of, uh, provide that visceral, you know, release. Yeah. I think.
1: Yeah. That was Rebecca Roach who used that analogy with the the hydraulic oh, it hinge, which yeah. is
0: perfect. <laughs> this whiffy door. Yeah.
1: Um, but but we should finish on Pinker's um, seven functions of swearing. All right. What are they? They So a swear word – no, I'm sorry, five functions. I bet a we s- could
0: make up another two. <laughs>
1: swear words, they can be used descriptively. I uh, can't give an example of that one. Idiomatically, <laughs> okay. it's effed up. Abusively – F you. Yeah. Emphatically. This is and amazing. Yeah. Um, ca- and cathartically, which is F. Right. You, uh, which it makes swears pretty interesting things.
0: Yeah. And, um, I mean, Tracy put some tips in there for when you have children on how to regulate that and explain things. But, um, uh, you know, t- just parent the way you want to parent. Apparently, though, you're not supposed to laugh. That's impossible. Yeah, it's literally laugh impossible. and clap
1: and pat him on the head. Yeah, buy him a toy.
0: Yeah, my my kids at the age where she repeats everything, and I I hurt myself the other day and let out an f bomb, and she said it right after me, and there's nothing funnier. Wow, <laughs> do you have <laughs> really it on tape? On the, no, um, but she does say the word fox, the animal fox. Uh-huh. Um, she says that as the other word, really, and we do have that on tape. Wow, <laughs> it's funny.
1: I'd like to see that.
0: Yeah, I'll show it to you. It's um. It's good. And, you know, it's just a reality that we curse in my household. And, you know, my kid's probably going to be one of those kids that curses earlier than other kids. Yeah. But I, I'm hoping to kind of cross that bridge and be like, hey, listen, can't say these things in school. Can't say them in front of teachers. Right. Like, remember when a teacher would curse? How, like, no shocking that was? I don't think I ever experienced oh, that. Oh, no? Like,. The teacher on a bad day, the the class is just pushed, and mm-hmm. they would just break down and scream a curse word. That never happened. Oh man, I had it happen a couple of times, and it is talk about like the social contract. Nothing will make a bunch of kids like straighten up faster than hearing sure. that they're just like, oh man, I'm so scared. like Miss So and So has we pushed her too far? Yeah. Or when a kid curses at a teacher, All right? There was also that like, oh boy, yeah, that's huge, it's like trouble. Yeah. So yeah, I'm hoping to teach uh, my daughter to. Pick and choose.
1: Yeah. Maybe she'll grow up to be like Red Fox. Make money off of <laughs> yeah, cursing.
0: Maybe so. Or Sarah Silverman.
1: Yeah. Who's like the modern Red Fox.
0: Well, she definitely has made a career out of, uh, breaking taboos with language. For sure. Shock, shock value. She's great. Yep. Yeah. So is Red Fox though so too. R.I.P.
1: Uh, Red Fox, not Sarah Silverman. That's right. If you want to know more about Red Fox, Sarah Silverman, swearing, any of that stuff, you can type those words in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail.
0: I'm going to call this Notable Canadian Filibuster. Uh, you folks may have noticed we had a Saturday episode Ta-da. on filibusters, and that's a new thing we're doing called uh, SYSK Selects, where we we republish a Saturday episode that we think was great or relevant, um, in case you missed it. And um, thanks for the support on those. Yeah. And apparently, and by Blake,
1: support, we mean thanks for listening, right?
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, they're still free. Right. Um, so Blake uh, listened to the filibuster one, and he wrote in about a Canadian filibuster. Uh, hey, guys, quite enjoyed the episode about filibusters. Although I've worked for several years at various legislatures throughout Canada, I can tell you that filibustering is not unique to the U.S. Senate. My favorite example of a filibuster took place in the Canadian Senate. Uh, parliamentary proceedings in Canada are recorded and published verbatim in Hansard. Uh, Canada being a bilingual country means that the Hansard uh, Hansard is available in both English and French, meaning that staff not only have to transcribe everything said, but translators also need to translate English speeches into French and vice versa for official publicity. I'm sorry, publicly available record. Uh, why is this topical? Because during one particularly contentious filibuster, I believe related to trade agreement. In the late 1980s, one senator stood and read the entirety of his autobiography into the record. As you can expect, this took quite a bit of time. But Not only did it delay passage of the bill, the common mythology said so the senator also did this in order to get a free professional quality translation of his autobiography, which was subsequently published in French. <laughs> wow. That's from Blake Evans. That's That's a good one. Blake, thank you for the Canadian history
1: lesson. We don't get enough of that down here. Um, I have one. I have a call out for Canadians. Great. I've always just made fun of it as fake Thanksgiving, but I realize I never have figured out why Thanksgiving is celebrated a month or so early. Well, early compared to the U.S. in Canada. We're so late. let us know. Exactly. Right. That's a different way of looking at it. Yes. Okay. So if you want to get in touch with us to so let us know, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast or uh, join me at uh, Josh um, Clark. Um you can join Chuck on Facebook at Charles W Chuck Bryant or Facebook.com slash stuff you should know. Send us an email to Stuff Podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. and as always join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. dot
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit housestuffworks.com.